Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. He declared to you His covenant, which He charged you to observe. That is, the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, and He wrote them on two stone tablets. Pray with me. Lord, we pray that You will bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One day in the spring semester of my senior year in seminary, I was agonizing over what I thought was a monumental decision. In just a few weeks, I would walk across the stage to get my diploma, shake hands with the seminary president, and then what? I had no idea. Well, that's not exactly true. I I had some idea. Uh, My denominational district superintendent had offered me a church, so there was that one possibility. But I'd also been encouraged to go to further education, and I'd not yet heard whether that was going to happen or not. So I was in an existential crisis, or so my immature response felt that it was a crisis at the time. I needed to know what to do. I wanted to hear a voice from heaven telling me what to do. Something about the convergence of the end of my seminary training and the completion uh, uh, and the complete uncertainty about my future created within me a personal crisis of self-doubt, anguish, and near despair. I felt as though I were peering into a black hole of uncertainty about my future. Now, None of you in this room have ever experienced anything like that, I'm certain, surely not. For seniors for whom this term is your last semester at Asbury, just wait until April or maybe early May. In my own case, I didn't know what I was going to do or where I would go, and more to the point in my own warped thinking, I was concerned about personal success. Would God use me to build a great church? Would I make a name for myself in some big ministry? How well would I do? When it came to the question of where I should go after graduation, I did all the right things. I prayed earnestly. I shared with my small group and talked to my professors. I said I was open to God's leading, but really, I just wanted to do well. If only I could hear the voice of God, I thought. If only God would write across the sky what I should do or affirm within me that I was doing the right thing, then all would be well. When I look back on that experience, I fear I didn't really want to hear God's voice at all. What I really wanted was not a sovereign Lord. I was looking for a navigator I wanted someone to tell me which path to take, which direction to turn, which job to accept. The Israelites had had that too. They had a navigator. They had a pillar of smoke by day and fire by night to guide their way. I would settle for that. (laughs) Or how about Urim and Thummim, neatly tucked away inside the priestly garment? Just step right up and ask a yes or no question and get God's answer while you wait. Wouldn't that be great? But let's be clear. That's not God speaking. That's not really God's voice. 
It's what we want that makes it something other than hearing the voice of God. Make no mistake, God is speaking, but we're looking for answers to our befuddled confusion rather than hearing God's proclamation about this covenant. We're too busy seeking His hands to hear His voice. The difference is that when God really speaks, we don't just get an answer to what job we should take or some illumination on whatever confusion we're experiencing at the moment. When God speaks, life begins. God's voice came to Israel while they were encamped at the foot of Mount Sinai. If you think you feel confused or uncertain about your future, just imagine with me this morning this group of ex-slaves and how they felt about their discombobulated tribes. They've just escaped Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea miraculously, nearly been destroyed by marauding Amalekites, nearly starved to death along the torturous 18-month journey to the foot of Mount Sinai. And now, for some reason, their wild-eyed leader has stopped them here at this mountain. And while he goes up to the top of the mountain to have a confab with his newfangled deity that he claims has been speaking to him, they just want to know where to go next, where their next meal is coming from, how long this ordeal is going to take. But God spoke to Israel from the midst of fire, and he forever rooted deep in the soil around that mountain a new understanding of his very essence. They were looking for information, and God spoke life into them. Or rather, God speaking created life from them, creating of those confused tribes a unified people of God. The people of God, including the church through the centuries, has always been tempted to seek the signs and wonders that display God's power and give us what we want or what we think we need. But these are only derivative attributes of God. They confirm what we know of God's power and grace, but they aren't sufficient to explain God's essence or His covenant with us. And that's what God wants to speak to us about to reveal His glory and His grandeur, to bring to life a people of God living in a covenant relationship with Him. Anything less reduces the sovereign Lord to a navigator, a spiritual GPS for life's journey. But when God speaks, life begins. Israel was given new life with an authentic raison d'etre, where previously the various tribes were vaguely, vaguely connected by ethnicity or their own pathetic personal experiences, now, now they are a force of God in the world, marching where they are told, conquering and possessing what they are told, and being transformed into the covenant keepers they are promised to be in the future, or at least that is the promise. And this new covenant that God spoke to them when their life began changed them from their tribes into a great nation, into a wise or insightful nation as recognized by all the nations around them. Even the Israelites have to admit, for what other great nation has a God so near to us as the Lord our God is whenever we call to Him? And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances as just 
as this entire law that I'm setting before you today. Israel is not only being brought into a new land, they are given a new future. They have potential to be something no people has ever been before. They are now alive in order to enter and take possession of the promises of God, reflecting God's glory and majesty for the rest of the world. When we say God speaks and life begins, we know this from the creation account, don't we? God said, let there be light, and okay, there was light, and so forth through the creative week. This is a God like no other. This great God can imagine dry bones in a valley of death coming to life as easily as he created light. He can say to his prophet, prophet, can these bones live? Speak to them. Prophesy a word of life to these bones, prophet. Thus saith the Lord God, O bones, God will cause the breath of life to enter you and you shall live. Sinew will appear and flesh will appear and skin will once again cover you and breath will enter into your bones and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. When God speaks, life begins. Life begins with the voice of God. But let us not forget that every one of us Every Christian in this room shares the same testimony. We were all dead to our trespasses and sins in which we once lived, like corpses, unable to respond to any call or any impulse in our own. We were all followers of the course of this world, the ruler of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work among people who live in disobedience. We were all victims of the passions of our flesh, following the sensual desires of the flesh. We were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But then God, who is rich in mercy because of the infinite love with which he loved us, even when we were dead because of our sins, God brought us us to life, raising us up by a word of grace, for by grace you have been saved. Life begins with the voice of God. Everything before is just death, decay, and our pathetic zombie-like preexistence. Real living starts with God's Word by which He breathes abundant, beautiful, precious life into our lungs. Philip Bliss said it well 150 years ago in the old gospel song, Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Christ, the blessed one, gives to all, wonderful words of life. Sinner, list to the loving call, wonderful words of life. All so freely given, wooing us to heaven Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life. Jesus, only Savior, sanctify us forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. And then there's this. When God speaks, everything changes. 
It seems obvious to say that. I mean, when new life begins, it creates for all of us a great divide between who and what we were before God spoke and who and what we are now. Israel could never go back. This text emphasizes precisely what they saw at Sinai. What did you see, it asks. When you were standing there at the mountain of God, Moses by your side, what precisely did you see? A mountain? A flame of fire reaching up to heaven? A thick, dark cloud? Then Jehovah Yahweh spoke to you from the midst of that fire, and what did you see? You saw absolutely nothing. You saw a voice. When you expected to see something, you actually only heard something, and that changes everything because it makes idolatry impossible. You cannot cast an idol and bow down and worship an image of, wait for it, a voice. And the voice speaking the covenant in the form of ten words came bursting forth from a flame of fire. Be warned, when God speaks, it can also be dangerous. You may not have expected to need a fire extinguisher or a hazmat suit when God speaks. The burning bush that first caught the attention of Moses was probably not burning just to catch his attention. It was on fire because God was about to speak from it. In Elijah's contest between the Lord, the true God, Yahweh, and the Canaanite Baal, a fire fell from heaven and consumed the entire altar upon which the sacrifice was offered. Elijah later rode a chariot of fire and horses of fire into heaven. This thread of communicating fire, divine speaking fire, runs through Scripture until that day when the first Christians were gathered together and something resembling fire, a flame of fire, seemed to rest over each Christian. And guess what? They spoke, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, so that among their unity, speaking through fire, it created something new, new life, a church, and to make all things new. Nothing would ever be the same again after that day. We all live in our own personal BC realities, who we were before Christ. None of, us wish, none of us wishes to dwell on those zombie-like, pathetic, pre-Christian versions of who we are. But thank God, when He spoke life in us, He made all things new. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Indeed, nothing can ever remain the same once God speaks. That day in the spring semester of my senior year, which was really not a, a day, but a period of many long weeks, which then culminated in one particular experience here in Estes Chapel. President Frank Stanger came to give a commissioning service for graduating seniors. As part of that service, we prayed the traditional Wesley Covenant prayer. We heard again those familiar words, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, 
Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. In that moment, I knew I could not say that prayer. I was a fraud. I was selfishly focused on my future, on my success, or more accurately, I was terrified that I might be inadequate and therefore be a failure. Was I seeking God's voice or using God to get what I wanted? Immediately after the covenant prayer and before Dr. Stanger served us communion, I watched as my fellow seniors walked forward to kneel at, we were all on this side of the sanctuary, and they all knelt at this altar. And I watched as three of my friends in the senior class came forward to submit their lives and their futures to God. One was from another faith tradition. He was, had been ostracized by his family. Another was from Nigeria, and circumstances required him to leave his family behind while he pursued his theological education. The third was from a part of the world where he had been physically beaten because of his Christian faith and left him with a noticeable limp because of the wounds he bore from his own family. And in that moment, I realized how truly selfish I was. I couldn't pray the prayer and I couldn't take the communion elements. I didn't really want to hear the blistering, burning voice of God. I only wanted God's hands. But then, as God always does when He speaks, as though from fire, God exposed my ridiculous so called existential crisis and confronted me with God's reality. Did I really belong to him or not? Was I going to be used of him or laid aside for him at his disposal in discretion? Obviously, there is much, much more to that story, and fortunately, I don't have time to share it all. But enough to say, that day began another day, this time a genuine crisis of faith and more to the point, a crisis of submission. And I can say that God has been faithful since that day, not simply to guide me in many decisions I've had to make over the years. He has done that. But to speak from the fire in ways that reveal His glory and remind me me who I am in His kingdom. In a few moments, you'll be offered the elements of communion. I remind you to seek God's voice not just his hands, but be prepared. Be prepared for anything God has in store for you. Be willing to be full or to be empty, to be laid aside for God's glory or to change the world for God's glory. But whichever it is, yield heartily to his pleasure and disposal. Let's bow our heads for prayer.